good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Brian O'Gorman. Good afternoon, Brian. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay, well, my name is Brian O'Gorman. I live in Stockport, which is in Greater Manchester. Um, I have been a writer for about six years now. Um, the whole writing experience uh, came about through a bizarre set of circumstances that um, all came together at the same time. Um, I went through a messy divorce. I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I got put on medication for that, which uh, it was weird because like before I got put on the medication, I had no concentration at all. I couldn't um, sit still and do anything. You know, I'd always have to pace about or fiddle with something. Or, you know. I got put on this medication um, and about six weeks into it, I was stood outside of the house that I was living in and I was having a fag outside the back door and I, I realized how incredibly quiet it was outside and for a, a few moments I was just standing there going why is it so quiet and then I realized that it was quiet inside my head rather than outside so I'd suddenly gain these powers of extra concentration and the first thing I did, and you've got to remember this was, it was like three o'clock in the morning or something daft like that. And my mum had lent me um, three DVDs, you know, the Twilight films, because I'd never seen them. And I went inside and I put these, put one of these films on and just sat and watched it because I wasn't like twitching or irritable or wanting to move around. So I watched all three discs and I didn't finish until like dinner time the next day um, and not long after that uh, I met an old school friend of mine and we went out for a pint of soda water like you do and she was talking to me about you know you should try this internet dating thing you know you're, you're divorced you're a free man you know try this internet dating thing and I thought oh maybe I will and so I did I I, I spent the next day setting up a profile you know taking goofy selfies of myself and setting up this profile and uh paid me 25 quid a robin bastard and uh i got a match straight away and the person who i got matched to uh we've been married for 10 years now so <laughs> so that worked out but um my wife has uh, some physical disabilities just like fibromyalgia and arthritis and stuff like that and she had a couple of falls so um we came to a consensus that i would give up working and stay home and take care of her you know so uh i did that and then i found that once i'd given up work and i was at home a lot i had a lot of time on my hands and i used to write short stories just for just for fun just to pass the time um i used to do it but i was quite good at it when i was at school when i was at primary school i was very very good at english or comprehension as they called it back then back in the old days when they still had half pennies and um so i had always sort of experimented with story writing so i thought one, one day i was just i was at a loose end and i thought I would try writing a short story. 
just seeing if I can uh, tap into this. And because I have the, these new powers of concentration, I was able to sit and write a short story. And it wasn't particularly good, but it was enough for me to, you know, I printed it out and showed it to my wife. I said, oh, what do you think of this? And she read it. And she said, this is pretty good. Yeah, she said, well, you should do some more of this. And I was like, okay. So I got into the habit of uh, every morning sitting at my computer and just typing away and seeing what came out. And after about two, three months of this, I had a 60,000 word novella. And I discovered not long after that, I was, I was looking into like, well, what, what do I do with this now? I, I printed the whole thing out as a manuscript like that. It's, you know, it's like you do when you're young and naive, you know, and you don't know what you're doing. I printed the whole bloody thing out, used up all the printer ink, and, <laughs> <laughs> which I got yelled at for. And I was just like, well, what do I do with this? So I did some research and I discovered the uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. And I thought, oh, this could be fun. So all you have to do is format it, create your own cover. And it's like, oh, so I'm going to have to learn some more skills here. So it took me a while, but uh, I managed to get a book out. It was called Pharmacon, um, which was a, a story about a serial killer, funnily enough. Um, it didn't do very well. It sold seven copies, um, which was like my family and friends all bought one each. And they were like, well done, good for you. <laughs> but I'd got into this habit of writing then, and so I started writing another story. And I'd seen this um, article on the internet about a giant spider that had been found in Manchester. I was like, oh, really? And I, and I, and I saw the picture of it, and it was this massive big spider stuck up in the corner of this room. And it was a big horrendous looking thing. Anyway, the story turned out to be fake. It was actually a picture of a giant huntsman spider from New Zealand. But it was like, what if this was in Manchester? This would be really cool. So I started writing a story about it. And it turned into a story called Dawn of the Spiders. And uh, I put it out there. Again, it died a death. And I didn't think anything else of it. And then I was stuck for an idea to write something new. So I thought, I'll look at Dawn of the Spiders again. And then ended up writing another draft, which took another six months, and re-releasing it. And after a couple of weeks, I got up one morning, and it sold a huge amount of copies in America, which was like massive, big surprise. I was like, wow, this is cool. And it kept selling and selling and selling for about 13 months. And it just kept going. It was like a rolling snowball it just kept gathering and gathering and so it was from that point on I was like well I'm a writer now <laughs> this is what I'm gonna do so that's how I ended up where I am now which is still in my living room but <laughs> um did you struggle to concentrate to read a lot I didn't when I was younger. When I was younger, I could read quite substantial amounts of text. Uh, I used to love reading. I, I you know, I, I was a big Roald Dahl fan. And there was another author, I think she was called Jean Kemp, who wrote some quite gritty 
children's stories um, set in this particular school. Um, there was like three books in this series, and I just loved them. I was just obsessed with them. And then I got into reading Roald Dahl. Um, and, and from then, my mum was a big reader as well. She was a, a, a Stephen King fan. Um, so she always, you'd, you'd always see her lay on the floor because she had a bad back. So she would always lay on the floor with a book up like that, reading. Um, the amount of time she fell asleep and dropped it on her face. It's, it's, you know. <laughs> so, um, so as I got older, when I was about sort of 13, 14, um, she just read uh, Pet Cemetery. And she, she knew I liked reading, so she just handed me this copy of Pet Cemetery and said, you know, have a go at this. Um, so I went up to bed and I read it all night because I was so drawn into this new and gritty world of horror writing. It was wonderful. So my concentration for reading was, was very, very good when I was reading. It was sort of as I approached my late 20s and early 30s that... I was I couldn't I couldn't sustain the concentration because the mental health problem was getting worse and worse and worse and the, the relapses were getting longer and stronger as time went on so it, it just came up to like a, a crisis point and then once I'd started on the medication the concentration started coming back so I was able to read books again it was like thank you God thank you I can read again and so I started catching up with all the, the books that I hadn't been able to read during that period. It was just, it was a, it was a, a pretty, it was a trying time, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, you said you enjoyed English at school and writing stories, so did you think then you'd become an author one day? I hadn't really thought about it because this was back in sort of the 19, early 1980s. And it was like, you never saw writers. You, you never saw the person behind the words in a, in a book. It just didn't really occur to me. It was only sort of later on when I, with the advent of things like YouTube and all that, that, you know, you can, I saw this um, documentary about Stephen King that I'd never seen before. Um, it's called Master of the Macabre, and it was, you know, a, a film crew just spending time in his house and in his little office, and he had this huge word process. I think it's called a wang or something like that. It had a really silly name. There's this massive word processor that he just sat and was sat in away with a fag hanging out of his mouth, you know. And you, I saw that, and it's like, ah, oh, that, that looks like a hell of a good way to make a living, you know. But it wasn't until sort of bit later down the line when I actually found that I, I was able to write enough to make novels that I even considered it as a career and the thing that happened with Dawn of the Spiders just took me completely by surprise. I just thought it was going to be a side hobby you know but it's it's now become the main focus of my life you know it's, it's, it, it's funny the way things turn out like that but yeah I'd never considered it until I'd seen that documentary. Um, and when you were able to read again, what did you read? What were your go-to? Uh, well, Stephen King, obviously. Um, 
love James Herbert. I think that The Fog is one of his finest books. It's so twisted. It's wonderful. It's just, you know, things like that only come out of certain imaginations. It's just a fantastic story. There's another one called Portent as well of his, which I particularly liked. Um, I started reading some trashy stuff as well, like um, Night of the Crabs by Guy N. Smith, which is it, it's just a kind of um, it's kind of like a B movie, but in book form, you know. And he wrote a lot of these sort of crazy, trashy monster um, books, and that influence sort of does carry over in some of the stuff I've written, you know, the the, uh, the sort of B movie type thing, which is a, it's always been a massive appeal because I I love cheap horror and nasty horror films. <laughs> You know, those old rubbish ones. There's a brilliant one called um, The Giant Spider Invasion, which I think it's the only film that actually delivers on its title because they actually constructed a huge giant spider. It looked like a big, great big 20-foot turd with pipe cleaners stuck in it. But they delivered, they actually delivered a giant spider. And it was like, I love that kind of thing. You know, it... I could sit and watch that all day and night. So sometimes I would read trashy books as well. I read some of the classics as well, like 1984 and uh, Animal Farm and things like that. Um, I got into H.G. Wells as well. I love The Time Machine. I think that's a real. That's one I reread a couple of. T- I've reread a couple of times because of that idea of the, the futuristic civilization with the Eloys who just so blissed out that they just don't care about anything. It's like, it's, it's like, yeah, that's kind of what, what humans would be like if we were given the opportunity. So, but that's the kind of thing. I, I read quite a broad spectrum of horror and sort of sci-fi stuff. Um, but then I've, I've picked up a copy of uh, uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, which I haven't read yet. And I keep putting it off. And I'm thinking, I, should, I need to read that book because it's a classic. <laughs> Yeah, I've got that on my TBR as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've never read it either. No, I haven't. <laughs> Last year I decided I was going to tackle War and Peace. Oh, why? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, to anyone... Why you do ever... that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? It took me a month. I didn't even enjoy it particularly. It was all right, but... <laughs> Just to say that I have, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, at least you can say you read it, but it's not somewhere I'd go, I don't think. It's not like monsters in it, I ain't interested. (laughs) Yeah, just no. (laughs) Never. I would never recommend it to anyone. (laughs) Read this. (laughs) Just the names more than anything. They're all bloody consonants. They're all Zs and Js and things and Ks and. (laughs) (laughs) Ajika Bruba, how are you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So you just sort of make in your head you make a noise like nah. ah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Could yeah, be anything. I yeah, I think I'll steer clear of that one. Yeah. That would that would be my advice. <laughs> Someone that's suffered through it, no. <laughs> oh, man. Um if you were to be a character in your books, would you get on with your characters? 
I get on with them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of them. <laughs> it's hard to say because I mean I think um, I think a lot of characters are an extension of myself and my own sort of. They're always imperfect characters that, that um, have a lot of flaws. So it's kind of like little pieces of me or past versions of me that aren't all all there and they're not very sort of um they're not people that you'd really particularly want to hang out with a lot of the time they never i never write heroic characters because nobody's heroic you're only heroic if you're shoved into a corner so would i get on with them am i i don't know i probably wouldn't because you know like i say they're, they're extensions of the wrong parts of me but you know i'm it's it's like it's like a talking therapy really you know except i don't get charged any money (laughs) (laughs) and have you um written anyone you know um into them yes and killed them too (laughs) (laughs) you're the only person that's ever straight out said yes (laughs) (laughs) yes people like ex-bosses that have i've known or ex-wives perhaps I, you know. <laughs> they if, if if you piss me off you're going in one of my books and you die <laughs> so be warned awesome okay don't piss off brian right fine noted <laughs> um and do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people would understand um don't know if I've consciously done it. I'm sure that I do, but I've not been sort of aware that I'm doing it. Um, I might sort of put in like the odd saying that only gets said within the walls of these house, just to you know, because sometimes my daughter reads some of my stuff. She's reading my uh, short story collection called Sticky Chuck at the moment, and stuff. I might occasionally throw something in there just to give them a bit of a laugh. Um, I'm sure there's been occasions when she's come down and, hey, what about this? Is this about me? You know? <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so occasionally I just, I might just throw things in there just to make people laugh, really. <laughs> <laughs> And would you um, consider writing any other genres? Well, I tried um, writing for children, which was uh, that was an that was a fun experiment. Um, my, but it was, it was going back a few years when my daughter was still quite young, and she wanted a, to read a book that she could read for her age group. Um, wasn't horror or anything like that I said oh okay so we sat down one day and I said look what kind of a story do you need because I've never really wrote children's books before and the list of requirements was quite interesting it had to be about dogs (laughs) dogs had to live underground and the dogs had to go on a quest to get out from living underground and it's like, that's the requirement. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. So I did write a children's book 
and it was called No Dog's Land. And it got me in the local paper because um, my daughter was sort of telling the teacher at school, oh, yeah, my dad's writing this children's book. This is how we should have him in, do a reading. So I ended up going into the school and doing a story writing contest and doing a reading from this dreadful book that I'd written. Um, and sort of on the back of that, I think it got to like, it was the only book I'd written that's had a bestseller ribbon on it. And it was under the, um, what's the name of the chart? Something really silly, like children's dog ebooks. And it was like number one. It was like, wow, okay. So I have, um, I have tried to sort of cross into other genres. And I wrote two books that weren't horror books. One was Final Wish of Maggie Bosworth, and the other one was about the Rolling. It was called the Rolling Sink Hour, which was about reality television, like Jeremy Kyle and all that. And but they didn't do very well. Nobody bought those. So if I buy, if I write a horror book, people seem to buy it. And if I write anything else, they don't. So it's like okay. So and I generally don't cross out of my um, comfort zone very often. Um, I am trying some, to write something now, which is a bit more uh, of a crime thriller than anything else, but crime thriller with horror stuff in it. So I'll, I'll have a go, but I don't think it's going to get very far. So, I, you know, I have, I have tried, but like I say, I ended up, I always end up just falling back into my natural habitat, which is scary stuff. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, if you were able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you choose? Mm, good question. I would probably say Roald Dahl because he came across as a very sort of He's, he's, he's the most, he was the most British guy you could ever meet in your life in the way he carried himself and the way he spoke. But I would have just, you know, loved to have sat down with him and just picked his brain about where his ideas come from because the man was an absolute genius. I mean, to be able to write that many children's books and have children just read them over and over and over again. You know that's a special kind of genius, I think. So yeah, I would have, I would have loved to have met Roald Dahl. Just sat and picked his mind, just trying to see what the hell was going on in there. You know, I'd love to have seen him interviewed here. That would have been. A, <laughs> an experience. I'd have loved to have interviewed him. <laughs> would have been incredible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Actually, he is, he is amazing. And for kids to still be reading his books now is, is good going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still have a collection on my shelf, even though I'm way too old for them. <laughs> and oh, I'm I've still got, yeah, I've still got one, but um, I've got some of his uh, short stories as well. Um, it's called Tales of the Unexpected, because um, he did that television show, didn't he, in the 1980s, <clears throat> um, which scared me to bloody death when I saw it when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but, you know, you remember things like that. And I've actually got uh, some of the stories on my Kindle, and I still love to read them. It's like he could write children's stories, but he could write scary stuff just as good as anybody else. So he was a multi-talented writer, you know. So 
what a genius. <laughs> yeah, well, I think his children's books are pretty dark for kids' stories anyway, so. But yeah, I think that's why they like them. I think children like to be a little bit scared of stuff because it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, like going on a roller coaster, isn't it? Why do you do it? to be scared <laughs> but you always laugh when you come off the roller coaster it's like you know it's, that that was rolled Dahl all over he was a very very had a very dark streak and but he pitched it just perfectly to where children just love these stories you know so. yeah. <laughs> um what's been your favorite moment as an author so far hmm. um I wrote a sequel to Dawn of the Spiders called Day of the Spiders. And I had a real fear that it wasn't going to, that Dawn of the Spiders was just a fluke. Um, but when I released that one, it was a much longer book, much better, I thought. Um, and that one did just as well as the first one. That was a hell of a moment because it was like, this is not a one-off. <laughs> I've had more failures than I've had successes, but to just get another uh, another sort of hit, if you like, was uh, was a good moment. Plus, getting uh, a community on you know the internet and on Facebook and stuff like that, and doing things like this, I, you know, this is like way and above and beyond beyond the Call of Duty. This, you know, it's like I didn't expect any of this kind of stuff. I thought I'd always be just sat in a corner writing my little <laughs> stories, but no, and then people um, invite you for interviews and make you break cover. You know, it's like, didn't expect any of that. So doing this kind of thing is, is a real revelation. It's like, oh, it's fantastic. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Maybe more people will recognize me in the street. <laughs> I doubt it, but hey. <laughs> well, you never know. That's true. That's true. And what's your biggest dream? Ooh. Uh, I'd like to get signed with a publisher. That'd be nice. Um, I like being in indie, but there'd be something about getting paid up front and then letting everybody else do the hard work of you know, editing and making book covers and marketing, which I'm useless at. So um, it'd be nice to sort of... Uh, it would just be nice to be able to earn a decent living doing this, you know. I, I, you know, it's, it's just it'd be the perfect, be the perfect storm for me, because it'd be like, you know, I could buy us a nice house and stuff, you know. <laughs> That'd be nice. But buy somewhere more comfy for me and my wife to live, you know. It's things like that. So I, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. But it's not, it's not essential. I'll, if if that never happens, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing and still having a lot of fun with it you know it's just one of those pipe dreams you know that you'll wake up one morning and there'll be an email saying we love you come to us and, <laughs> you know we'll, we'll market you we'll, we'll get you out there we'll, you'll be the top of the bestseller lists every week <laughs> and it's like yeah that'd be nice <laughs> but like i say it's not an essential it's just this is just this is ambition that i that i, I have just to get signed with any publisher it'll be very nice but you know <laughs> any publisher to know who I am you know it's like 
Um, have you got lots of author friends? Uh, I have online, yeah, yeah, fair few. Um, it was a it was a weird thing, sort of discovering this community, because like, uh, so you you know you publish a book or two, you know, I've published eight now, I think, um, and you discover there's other people doing the same stuff as you. you. They're all going through the same struggles, and how do you do this, and what do you do that, and you get into this community, and people start helping you, which is wonderful. You know, it's like it's like the last book that I've written coming out tomorrow um, was edited and proofread by Helen Pryke who's like she's a wonderful and I've read there's two of her books uh, called The Lost Girls and Right Beside You which are like I, I was it's not often I get a book where I'm having to force myself to stop reading it because I'm going to end up going through the whole thing I have to ration it but with those books I really had to to ration them because they were really really just drew you in um so to have her she she offered to uh, proofread this new book that i'd written and it was like wow thanks <laughs> so things like that you know it's it's to to have people sort of reach out to you and um, um offer help it's like it, it, you don't feel like you're quite as much on your own as you as he used to think, um, but then I've handed out my skills. Um, you know, I can. I'm quite handy with Photoshop, so I can design a few covers. So I, I did some covers for Sarah Northwood, uh, who was a writer for a while. Um, she did some pretty good books too. Um, so I helped her out with like book covers and formatting and things. Till you know, she kind of got the hang of it. She, she, you know, she was out there. So it's so. Finding this community is really nice. It's really nice because most of them are quite nice to you. Some of them are bastards, but you know, they're, they're, <laughs> there's less of those kind of people. You know, um, I remember getting into a, an online skirmish with a guy that looked like Phil Mitchell. Um, <laughs> wrote these really shitty fantasy books. I'm not going to lie, they were shit. I I had a gander through them because if anyone calls me out or calls me a name i'm reading your books pal and i'm going to pull them apart <laughs> so so occasionally you get into these skirmishes like i got um someone reviewed i think it was dawn of the spiders or something and called it all the names under the sun uh said it was disgusting it was nothing but uh, a cheap porn book with a bit of horror thrown in it's like that's a bit harsh <laughs> so i researched this guy and he wrote these weird dinosaur books um, and I think it's, it, I think the reason I do that is because once I've got the measure of someone, whether or not they're, they're any good at writing, then it, it, it's, it kind of undermines the opinion that they espoused about something I've written. So if you're writing crap, you, you've got no right to sit there and call my stuff rubbish, you know, sort your own bloody house out, pal. So, <laughs> but generally other writers are nice and helpful and you just get the odd arsehole now and again so <laughs> it's life <isn't> it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um do you get much feedback from your readers um not as much as i'd like um 
some of the stuff I've I've got I've got a book out there called uh, The Impossible Death of Erwin Broster. Hasn't had a single review, <laughs> but then nobody's bought it. So, but other books have lots of reviews, and you get um, I get a pretty mixed bag sometimes. Um, one of the books I've I hadn't found my properly when I'd written it, so it, it kind of gets a lot of grief off people. But a lot of people like it as well, so it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think it's great and scary, and they're seeing things out the corner of their eye when they're reading it. And I'm like, yes! And then other people are saying, this is crap. This guy can't write. Don't give up the day job. And it's like, oops, kind of already did. So, um, I get enough feedback. <laughs> it's, it's generally it's generally good and I, I don't know why but I, I enjoy reading the negative reviews as much as I do the positive because they give me such a laugh <laughs> it's like one woman was deeply offended by it you know and, oh, that someone should burn this book it's like I was like marvellous if you're so scared and disgusted by it then I've created an emotive response in you so I'm, I've done my job. My work here is done. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most interesting thing you found out when doing research? Oh, um, the most the most interesting thing I found out was the leg spans of the um, giant huntsman spider from New Zealand which uh, they said, if you put this spider on a dinner plate, it's the ends of its legs will curl around it. That's like, that is enormous. <laughs> so I end up down these rabbit holes of reading these bits of um, research. And it's like, wow, there's some scary monsters out there. I don't even need to make anything up. <laughs> <laughs> But then, but then you, you end up like um, I, I'm googling something. It's like something. It was something ridiculous. Like, um, what would be the sequence of injuries if you were hit by a car? <laughs> <laughs> and the, I was reading this thing. I was going, Ugh. it's like you know, your legs will get broken first, then you might get thrown over the bonnet, and it's like because I was trying to making sure I sort of got the physics of this thing right. And then I thought, bollocks to it, it's fiction. I can make up any injuries I like. So <laughs> I don't do that much research, really. I just tend to make up as I go along. And what's your biggest fear, and would you write about it? My biggest fear? Oh, I'm scared of everything. <laughs> everything. Spiders, not so much. Moths, I'm okay with. Heights, I will crawl on the floor, uh, crying until you get me back down to sea <laughs> level again. Um, daddy long legs, I can't, I'll scream if they come in the room. They, they fly like that. So it's like, ah, no, 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 can't cope with that. I've even got an electric, you know those electric fly swatters? That you hit things, they go like that. I've got one of them just to battle these horrible behemoths. But oh god, I'm, I'm 
I get scared very, very easily. It's like <laughs> I'm a big old, I'm a big softy, really. But um, spiders don't bother me so much. I can catch them in a glass and sort of put them outside. I don't kill them. I always catch them in a glass. Um, the last encounter I had with a spider, I quite spectacularly wimped out of uh, catching it in a glass because it was the day after I'd had my COVID vaccine and I was, I had, you know, you know, you get a little bit of side effects and you know, I had a bit of the chills and my hands was just shaking like that. Uh, and it went, didn't last long that, but there was a, a cellar spider in the corner of the landing, which are the ones with the tiny little bodies and the big spindly legs. And we just sat in the corner of the, the landing and my daughter wanted it out of there because it was scary. Um, so I went and got the pint glass and I was stood there poising myself to catch it. My hand's going like that. And I said to my wife, I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And my wife, who's very scared of spiders, just went, snatched the glass off me and went, oh, give it here. And she was like, boink, caught it. And it was there in the glass. <laughs> so made me look like a right wimp. <laughs> I was like, yes, well done, good job. Yes. <laughs> Thought you well. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a coward, really. I really am. <laughs> I get scared by everything. <laughs> um, what would your wife and your family say your worst habits are? I could ask if you like. What's my worst <laughs> habit? Moaning. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I am a moaner. Yeah, I've been incessantly about nothing. I'm copying for it now. <laughs> yes. she says, she's, she's saying, if I ever, she said, if she ever asks me anything, I go, what? <laughs> Not that I'm, I can't hear it. It's just that you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because, because you know, she, she, she has a time. She struggles getting out of the seat, you see, and things like that. So I have to go and get stuff, and it's it's a failing on my part that um, sometimes I get annoyed by it, and it's like, why am I getting annoyed by it? It's not her fault, but you know, just this human nature thing where you just get annoyed. She's like. Oh, I really need this. Oh, for crying out loud, you know. So I just moan, and then, and and then I go out, you know, and do whatever, and I come back and say, oh, "Sorry for being an ass," you know. It's just yes, I, I am. I am a quintessential grumpy old fart, and I think, and I, I know my daughter calls me that as well. She says, "Ah, oh, you're, you're such an old moaning old sod." Dad. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Kira's very like me, so it's like oh, dear. Um, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, your wife stuck with you for together. ten years, so you know. Yeah, she... and that's—I've got to say—that's the longest I've been married as well. Ten years is the longest I've been married, so she's very, very tolerant of me <laughs> and my um, uh, irritable nature. I don't mean anything by it. I just. Yeah, but yeah, she says we're, we're we're just as tolerant as each other. 
you know, with each other because she, she can, she's no bloody angel either. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> con everyone thinking that. <laughs> so there you go. That's 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 my feelings exposed. <laughs> um, what's your most embarrassing story? How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I've got all night. Oh, <laughs> I right. imagine there's um, quite a few. <laughs> I'm going to pick one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I went on a, uh, a little pub crawl. This is going back when I was uh, a drinker, which was a long time ago now. But um, uh, I used to go on, on like pub crawls on a Saturday, like start at. 11 o'clock in the morning when the pub opened and sort of be drinking uh, nice cold tap water all day um, and we'd, we'd always go on this sort of pub crawl around town and we'd end up sort of back where we started which was uh, a pub called the Millstone and up the road from Millstone was uh, a kebab shop called Fiesta's and the Water's Green uh, takeaway of fish and chip shop. It was a chippy anyway, which was just up the road. So we'd always end the night by, you know, uh, getting food. But on this particular occasion, it was about five o'clock in the evening and it was at the height of summer. And I decided I was hungry then and there and then. <clears throat> so I was going to go out the pub and go to the chippy, get something to eat. Um, so I went out of the the pub and then the fresh air mixed with the tap water that was running through my system and I was suddenly like weaving and wobbling all over the place and I went to the chippy and there was two steps to get in it one big step and one small step and then the door I Someone must have tied my shoelaces together or something because I tripped up the steps and fell through the door. And the chippy was full of people. It was absolutely full of people. And I went through the door. The door went bang like that. And I just went onto the floor. So I climbed up and I ordered chips and gravy. Uh, with plenty of salt and vinegar. Um, they very kindly served me first because they could see I was a, a little bit worse for wear. So, um, And the, the people inside the shop were laughing so much that uh, they didn't mind. So I, I took this um, chips and gravy with a little wooden fork stuck in the top of it like that, and I carried it, and I opened the door, and I put one foot out, and that was it. I went, whew, straight down the steps the chips and gravy went up you get that reflex called the mono reflex where you go whoosh, like that so the chips and gravy goes up and comes down on my head so i ended up sat at the bottom of the step with my ass hurting and chips and gravy dripping from my and i could hear this chorus of laughter coming from the, the, the chip. <laughs> they were all howling with laughter I'd never felt such a plonker in my whole life. Because, I mean, I've done things like, I do, I used to do things like that all the time. There was another one where, I'm going to tell one more, 
but th- there was another one where we had um, a nightclub that was called it was a, a Yates's. I don't know if you remember Yates's nightclub. And this particular one had a balcony upstairs. You could go out onto the balcony and overlook the whole street. And it was, you had to go up this flight of stairs to get to the balcony. So me and a few of my friends were on this balcony having a jolly good uh, drinking session of, uh, of nice uh, alcohol-free shandies, of course. And um, I got into an argument with with one of them. I I don't remember to this day what the argument was about, but men are daft like that. You know, you end up sort of having this, you did this, don't you talk to me like that. We were going at each other and I I suddenly got into my head, I'm leaving, I'm going home. Sub this, I said, I was like, giving it proper poking and you don't talk to me like that. I know, I know what I'm talking about. You don't know nothing. And I turned and I fell down the stairs and I went all the way down this huge flight of stairs on my arse to the point where my trouser legs were pulled up to my knees. And I had the biggest wedgie you'd ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you have to sort of stand up then in front of everyone and go, I meant to do that. <laughs> all that, you know, ta-da. <laughs> so. There's two examples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Actually crying. <laughs> um, who was your first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? I don't know if I've ever had one. I've certainly got a celebrity crush on Benedict Cumberbatch these days. I don't know what it is. He's so bloody handsome. It's like, what is all that about? <laughs> I know some people have it all, don't they? It's very annoying. I know, I know. He's he's good looking. He's a great actor, and I will watch anything he's in. So it's like I, I think I've sort of saved my celebrity crushes for like now, and I'm 46 years of age, you know. But um, I think he's brilliant. I just like, and my daughter teases me. She says I fancy him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm like yeah, so. So, <laughs> um, if you were to have a superhero power, what would you choose? <laughs> the power to float upstairs. Um, <laughs> um, I think I'd like to have invisibility. I'd be like, I'd like to be, you know, the invisible man, just so I can go and listen in on people's conversations. Because I'm a right nosy git. And, you know, I'd, I'd just love to sort of sneak up to people and just, I wouldn't do anything nasty or anything like that. I'd just be standing there listening like that. But I'd be invisible. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then just um, uh, maybe whisper gossip into people's ears, you know. <laughs> Make them think that they're losing their mind, you know. <laughs> he said this about you. He thinks you're silly. <laughs> and then just leave. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd like um, invisibility. I wouldn't like flying or anything like that, because the minute I took off, I'd be like, put me down. <laughs> I'd be the worst Superman ever. <laughs> oh, 
Or maybe the Hulk. I thought I always thought the Hulk was cool. You know, just get angry and smash stuff. You know, and then go. And then you change back to David Banner and you go, it wasn't me. I don't remember doing anything. I bet if you could get angry and smash stuff anyway, it just wouldn't be as effective as the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, I tend to get a kick in the bollocks from my wife if I do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably deservedly so as well. Yeah, yeah. I give them willingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, from talking to you before and from following you on Facebook, you've had quite a crazy life. Would you ever consider writing some of your stories and releasing them? Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm actually seriously thinking about doing it. Um, please do uh, <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it'd be like a bloody encyclopedia when I finish um, no I thought about just sort of um, maybe selecting a few choice moments and just sort of fictional like well not sort of putting them together in, in sort of short story format and maybe just throwing it out there and seeing what happens but yeah I, I, I seem to have a story for every occasion you know, it's it's just. I grew up in a house with the, you know, there were six of us in this house. So I've got like three siblings that are all older than me. So I've got half a ton of stories from growing up in in you know in this environment where, and I had shared a room with my brother as well. So, and he was quite I don't know accident prone. I think is the, he's forever banging his head on things, and it's like every time he did it, I. I'd just break down in crazy laughter. I saw him, uh, he was trying to, uh, what were we doing? I threw a ball to him or something and he, he, he went to kick it and he missed and booted the radiator and he was hobbling around. Going, ah! <laughs> and I'd, sometimes these, these stories just pop up in my head, these memories. And I just think, I should write some of these down because the, there is a, a wealth of material in there. Um, but not just from my childhood, but even from the crazy time, sort of from my sort of uh, early twenties to when I was diagnosed, there was always something happening. And it's like, you know, it's when you when you get into a state of near psychosis, you you tend to do silly things, and some of them are worth sort of laughing about. So, so yeah, I'm very much considering doing it. But I uh, just need to sort of work out how I will put it together and in what sort of format. So yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's worth considering because people keep saying to me, you know, you need to write some of these stories down because they're pretty funny. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better being there. You know, it's like I just I, I just think about stupid things like when my brother fell down the stairs wearing this stupid mask and all the playing hide and seek and I, I was I was hidden in the bathroom and he was out in the hallway and he was he bought this Halloween mask and he's like wearing it and going and I just heard him go and sounded like EastEnders had finished and so there's there's just tons of ridiculous stories so yeah I'm gonna try and sketch something out and see if I can piece it together so yeah definitely it's on the cards it's gonna awesome. happen <laughs> I will read it I will buy it absolutely I will buy it now <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. um, so what's coming next for you? Well, uh, I've got the second coming, which is coming out tomorrow, um, which is a story about, which is, it was inspired by it. Just before, before lockdown happened, I was getting, I got visited by some Jehovah's Witnesses. And not that I subscribe to any of this sort of guff, but I'm always polite to them because they, they take so much shit off people. It's unbelievable. I, you can hear them coming because you can hear people yelling at them. You can hear people yelling on the street and you think there's either a riot going on or there's Jehovah's Witnesses around. So when they knocked on my door, um, I just engaged them in conversation because they're interesting people. And they've got these uh, weird kind of belief systems that I don't quite understand. So I'm always trying to sort of find out more about it. But they gave me this little book, which is in my drawer somewhere, and I read through it. And they were talking about the, the God coming back to Earth and bringing back all the uh, all the dead relatives and doing away with all the sinners and all that. And I was thinking, could you imagine if this actually happened? That that people would just go along with this? It's like, is that you know, is that even possible that people actually believe that this is going to happen? So uh, it seeded an idea in the head of what would happen if you know the devil and the messiah came back to earth but just in an ordinary northern city you know so it the story kind of snowballed from there um so that's coming out tomorrow um like i say uh, helen Pryke helped me put it together because she proofread it for me and it took a bloody long time <laughs> to correct everything because i didn't realize how how uh you know the bad habits that I'd gotten into I I didn't realize you know I was always putting I had she had they had and it's like get rid of the hads so when I write now so um so yeah so that's tomorrow that's coming out tomorrow and uh beyond that I've written the final spider's story I've already written it so I'm hoping to get that out by halloween um so that'll be sort of closing the door on that because that's the final one there's not going to be any more after that I don't just want to be known for spiders god damn it i'm an artist but um after that i'm trying something new um some sort of crime horror crossovers so we'll see where it goes from that and obviously this new memoir of silly stories <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my future. Um, I'm just gonna keep on trucking, as it were. <laughs> well, I don't have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked that you want to tell us about. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But you know, it's it's always with hindsight, isn't it? You know. Um, yeah, uh, I can't think of anything else. I think we've, it's been it's been pretty comprehensive. I think. So do you just want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you, where they can find your books? Yes, if you look, if you go to Facebook and go to at Brian O'Gorman author, you'll find me there espousing my uh, hugely intellectual bollocks to the world. Uh, my books are all on Amazon, you know. Dawn of the Spiders, Day of the Spiders, The Water, 
I always made dogs worth. Uh, I can't name them all. But I'm out there on Amazon, so please check it out. And if you ask me nicely, I might send you a free Kindle edition book. Only if I'm, a, if I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Thank you very much. No worries. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of my podcast, which is the audio recording of an interview. The video version is available on Facebook, YouTube, and most of the time on Instagram. My Facebook group is called Donna's Interviews, Reviews, and Giveaways, and all the links to everything else are on there. Um, if you want any feedback, or if you want to suggest any authors you'd like to see, I'd really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember that you can view the video on my Facebook page, Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, or you can also review the video on YouTube. Um, just search for my name, uh, Donna Morfitt. Uh, surname's M-O-R-F-E-T-T, and you should be able to find it quite easily. Um, if you want any people to be interviewed, then please let me know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.